Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. Uh, we are studying the life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and it's such a rich study. I tell you, to study Jesus is to study the great value that we have being in the kingdom of God. And in the last session, we have left and are leaving what Jesus taught his disciples concerning <clears throat> prayer and fasting. And we're journeying now to an area that we don't talk much about, but we should know more than what we do. And that is in the area of Christian ethics. And so we're going to be primarily in Matthew, uh, the 18th chapter. But there's something that I want to read in leaving our teaching in last session concerning prayer and fasting, something that Jesus said and Mark records, and they departed thence and passed through Galilee. And he would not that any man should know it, for he taught his disciples and said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men, and they shall kill him, and after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. But notice verse 32 of Mark 9. But they understood not that saying and were afraid to ask him. So we have to ask ourselves, why were the disciples afraid to ask him? Well, uh, Jesus had just blistered them with the rebuke concerning unbelief. And he is now entering into his third year of ministry. And there's not too many months ahead that Jesus is going to be offered is going to offer himself up in Jerusalem. And these 12 have been with Jesus now for nearly three years. And he is now expecting something out of them, something that uh, they haven't grown to the point that uh, they are ready to produce, although Jesus expects them to. So it's like a a coach knowing that his team has the potential, but they're not living up to that potential. So he urges them and encourages them and exhorts them uh, to put more effort into uh, what they need to produce the kind of team that he knows that they can produce. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing. And all good teachers uh, do that, all good professors. And I tell you that the Lord Jesus Christ, he is uh, the superior of all men when it comes to his teaching and his professing. So uh, we're going to uh, look now into Matthew, the 18th chapter, and this concerns uh, Jesus' teaching on the relationships that we're to have with one another within the kingdom of God. But before we begin, let's just have a word of prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, we need your help today. Help us, Holy Spirit, work through us, both in the speaking and in the hearing. Uh, help us to grasp what Jesus is teaching us in this great and wonderful chapter. And we'll give you thanks for it in Jesus name. So as I said earlier, the entire 18th chapter of Matthew uh, records the teaching of Jesus on the subject and doctrine of Christian ethics concerning the personal relationships that we have with each other, that we are to have with one another. We are our brother's keeper. Amen. And so beginning in Mark chapter nine, and he came to Capernaum and being in the house, he asked them, what was it that you disputed among yourselves, by the way, concerning who is greatest in the kingdom of God? But they held their peace for by the way that they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. And at the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? 
And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye have no, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. For whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And he sat down and called the twelve and said to them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive one such child in my name receives me. And whosoever shall receive me receives not me, but him that sent me. And so it is clear here that the Lord Jesus is not specifically referring to children in the flesh, but he's referring to children in the faith. And such were the disciples. They were children, and Jesus called them many times children. So uh, we can't criticize the disciples for acting like spiritual children because that's exactly what they were, and that's exactly what we are. We are called the children of God. We are infants in the kingdom of God. Amen. We have much room for growth and maturity. And it was Paul that told us not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to, but we are to think soberly, understanding that it is God that deals with each of us according to our measure of faith. And Paul said this, for who makes you to different from anyone else? And what do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, then why do we boast as though we did not? So we don't have original thoughts. None of us have original thoughts because the thoughts that we have concerning the kingdom of God, they all originated with the Lord Jesus. And it's before him that we stand or fall. And Paul said this, writing to the Philippian church, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. So the Christian ethics of the believer is this, that we are to serve our brother and we are to consider them more worthy than ourselves. And it is true that the Lord Jesus often referred to his disciples as children. And remember, he said this, whosoever shall receive one such child in my name receives me. So when you're dealing with your brother and when I'm dealing, we'll say it when we deal with our brother, understand that we're dealing with Christ. Christ takes it personally. And to me, there's two things that stand out when we're dealing with little children. Number one is innocence. Children are innocent. Amen. And we are to look at our brothers as innocent because uh, Jesus said that we're to be harmless as doves. And another quality of a child is this, humility. Amen. Humility in receiving the kingdom of God. Humility in desiring to please those to whom we love and respect. So we have to ask ourselves the question, do we truly love our brother? Do we respect them? Do we desire to see the best of them? Real teachers, this is what they desire. They desire their students and their pupils to go far beyond them. And we love them and respect them and desire to do all that we can to see that they reach that goal. 
And John answered him, saying, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he follows not after us. And we forbade him, because he does not follow us. But Jesus said, Do not forbid him. For there is no man that shall do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me. For he that is not against us is in our part. For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ, verily I say to you, he shall not lose his reward. You know, it's A.T. Robertson that commenced from the Greek when Jesus said he follows not us, or rather what uh, John said, he follows not us, is in perfect tense, and meaning that John was changing the subject in lieu of the fact that Jesus perceived they're arguing with one another about who would be the greatest, you know, to try to save face or to save constraint or embarrassment that they were caught. But, you know, it really doesn't matter to Jesus. It doesn't matter which denomination that we belong to. Doesn't matter if we're non-Pentecostal or Pentecostal, if we're non-charismatic or charismatic. The fact remains what Jesus concerns about is what we do. We do in truth. We do in love. Do we truly love our brother? Do we desire the best for him? And Jesus went on and said, Whosoever receives one such little child in my name receives me. But woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. And whosoever shall offend one of these little ones, that believe in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. And the phrase to offend means to cause or to lead or to entice into sin. And it's the Greek word scandalizo. And when Jesus said those little ones that believe in me, he's talking about those that have placed their confidence and are fully persuaded in Christ as Lord and Savior and have chosen to follow him. So we as pastors and we as teachers, you know, we have to look at what we're teaching congregations. Are we deceiving them? Are we enticing them through false teaching to accept the things that are in the world that the Bible clearly says that it is opposed to? Are we enticing those to whom we teach to accept the very things that are in opposition to the love and to the teaching and to the truth of Christ? You know, James says this. He says, do not strive to be a teacher, knowing that if you teach falsely and lead others astray, you will receive the greater condemnation, the greater judgment. So we have to be very careful that what we teach makes sure that it's the teaching of Jesus and not the teaching of man. The teaching of man lives to vain reality, but the teaching of Jesus leads to revelation, not just of truth, but of who God is. And then Jesus went on and said, If thy right hand offend thee, cut it off, for it is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell unto the fire that never shall be quenched. Now, Jesus is teaching here about Christian ethics. Where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched, hands 
refer to that which a person puts himself to. What are we putting ourselves to today? What are our hands engaged in today? And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. We must understand that Jesus fully believed in the reality of hell. The foot now speaks to us of a way a person travels, which path he is on. Are we on the path of truth? Are we on the path of compromise? If thy eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. I'm not making this up. These are the words of Jesus. The eye speaks of that which we set our eyes upon. And Jesus said, if our eye is single, then our whole body will be filled with light. And then Jesus said this, take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven, their angels do always behold the face of my father, which is in heaven. For the son of man is come to save that which was lost. If you are a follower of Jesus, angels are assigned to you. And they always behold, notice this, the face of my Father which is in heaven. See, we have a responsibility as believers in Christ Jesus to follow him, to follow Jesus. He is our Lord and our Master. He is our Savior. And we must cling to every word that proceeds out of his mouth with, with the absolute diligence and discipline and conviction and consecration to do it to the best of our ability. This pleases God. So in going back to the one that was casting out demons in the name of Jesus, he was a follower of the ministry of the Lord, even though he wasn't a disciple. And he was still doing a good work in the name of the Lord. And so John was unjust to discourage him or to scandalize him to stop doing that good work that he was doing. So we have to be on guard that the motivation of our hands, our feet and our eyes don't offend or scandalize one of Christ's little ones, his young followers. You know, to so move them to the point to where they turn away from Christ or discourage them in the face. That's why we should never criticize babes in Christ. Well, they don't dress like we do. What does that matter? What does what does wearing clothes matter when it comes to the soul, the eternal soul of an individual? Well, they don't wear hair like we want them there. What does that matter? What does the length of hair matter? Well, they're dirty. They're filthy. So what does that matter? Love them. God will clean them up after a while. Don't scandalize them. Love them. And love men of other denominations. You know, I'm not a holiness. I, I don't pray like holiness folks do. I don't preach like holiness folks do. But I love them and they love me. Hallelujah. And I say praise God for it. So don't fight de these denominational divisions and 
if people who know God, even though they're not part of our denomination, if they're doing a good work, then praise them, love them, fellowship with them as much as you can. Praise God. Let's avoid becoming a stumbling, stumbling block toward others. And let's just be humble ourselves and do what Paul admonished Timothy to do. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy. Think about that. I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Remember, God showed us mercy. So what should we do towards others? Show them mercy. Amen. For everyone that is salted with fire and every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. This is out of Mark 9. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost its saltness, wherewith will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace one with another. If we as believers are going to have authority and power in Jesus, then there are certain things that we're just not going to allow. There are certain things that we've got to stand apart from concerning the rudiments and the entertainments of this world. We're to cling to faith. We're to cling to surrender to our Lord and Savior. We're to cling to the holiness of life because all of these three are pathways to spiritual power. The man who surrenders himself completely to God and his will and who keeps his body under subjection and who loves not the world nor the things in the world and devotes himself to prayer with fasting and to whole submission to the word of God. This is the man that's going to have power with God and with men. Jesus said every one of us is going to be salted with fire. That means we're going to be salted with tests and afflictions. They're going to come. The world is going to make sure that and they're going to try to make us as uncomfortable as we if they possibly can. But we carry the qualities of salt. We carry the quality of flavor. We improve our society around us and our community. We bear the quality of preservation. We are going to stand. Amen. And delay or prevent the moral corruption of this sinful world getting into us and into our family and our community. We bear the quality of purification by walking in purity and holiness, by being an example of the holiness of God and of the spirit of God. And we are going to follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Praying that God would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. To this end, that the Lord will establish our hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father in heaven, at the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so Jesus continues and he says, Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones, for I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. How think ye if a man have a hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray? Does he not leave the ninety of nine and goes into the mountains and seeks that which is gone astray? 
And if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoices more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine that went not astray. Even so, it is not the will of our Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. See, teachers that lead young followers in Christ into sin, they actually despise them. And the Lord Jesus says that we are not to do that. Amen. So it is unjust and it is unethical that we who are the teachers and teach others that which is not true, we are the ones that are going to bear the greater condemnation. So we must stick to the word of God. Find out for ourselves what God is saying in his word. Let his word speak to our heart and lead us in the way that we should go. And then Jesus says this, moreover, if thy brother trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. You know, this is so hard to do, but it's still the demand of Christ. And what's the ultimate purpose? To love our brother and to reconcile with him, even though he's wronged us. You know, John said this, if anyone see his brother commit a sin that does not lead to death, he should pray and God will give him life. In other words, we pray, turn him over to God and God will deal with him. Amen. But there are times that we are required to go to our brother and to tell him his fault. To what purpose? If any one of you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So what is the overlay of all of this? It's to love our brother like Jesus loved them. Desire to help them. Desire for them to recover. And then Jesus goes on and says this, but if he will not hear thee, take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he neglect to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and as a publican. Break fellowship. But notice Jesus didn't say kick him out of the church. I'm telling you, if we turn this situation if we reach the ultimate and still there's not a change, if we turn this over to him, to the Lord in prayer, God will work it out. Amen. And then Jesus goes on and says this, Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. To bind and to loose speaks of the authority that's been granted to us in the church. But still, what we do needs to be done in the spirit of love and in the spirit of reconciliation. True, this is authority that's been granted to the church in the area of binding and loosing, but the depth of the degree is not realized. And we have to walk in love. And it's always good to err on the side of caution because in attempting to try to save someone, if we wind up destroying the work of God and the person, you and I are going to have to bear the responsibility for that. So the superior object of binding and loosing is to seek and to save that which is lost. That's what Jesus is. 
That's what he's doing. And that's what he attempts to do through us. So we seek for reconciliation, not for destruction. And then Jesus said, again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. When Jesus said, again, I say unto you, he's reiterating the same statement mentioned in these previous verses. So the prayer of agreement is primarily between the two who have come to an agreement concerning an error or sin. And the prayer of agreement is a powerful prayer between these two individuals. The two are praying. They can agree as touching anything that they shall ask. I tell you, meaning a demand for something. And Jesus said, when they do this, I am in the midst of them. I am in agreement with them. He is the one who has granted the authority for, to the church for what they agree on to be done. His delegated authority that he's given to the church and he's present among them. He's the one that makes this threefold cord that cannot be easily broken. And then Peter comes to him and says, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? And Jesus said to him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. And then take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day and seven times in a day turns again to thee saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Forgiveness is not an option. It's a command. Our faith becomes inoperative if we fail to forgive others their trespasses against us. And when you stand praying, forgive you have all against any that your heavenly father may forgive you. For if you for, do not forgive your tre trespasses that others have committed against you, neither will your father forgive you your trespasses. And then he gives this great parable to end this teaching out. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened to a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought to him, which owed him 10,000 talents. For as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had in payment be made. And the servant fell down and worshiped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence and laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. And his servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that, he called him and said to him, Oh, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you desired me. And should you not have had compassion on that fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? Two key phrases, compassion and pity. And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due him. 
so likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you if you from your hearts do not forgive everyone his brother their trespasses. So we ask ourselves, 10,000 talents, how much was that in today's currency? Well, in silver, it would be $160 million. In gold, it would be $12 billion. And how much is 100 pence? 14 cents. And in the parable, should not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? This is the crux of forgiveness, having compassion upon those that have wronged us. And Jesus said this, and whatever you measure out to others will be measured back to you. Therefore, if we forgive others, God will forgive us. And Jesus said this in closing, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? And how can you say to your brother, let me take out the speck out of your eye when you all the time have a plank in your own eye? First, take the plank out of your eye. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So when others wrong us, we have to remember what's the first rule? Compassion, pity, have mercy. And if we have to go to our brother, who is in error, we do it in the spirit of love and in the spirit of forgiveness, desiring our brother to be reconciled. Not in hate, not in anger, not in pride, not in a sense of superiority, but knowing that we are in the same boat they are in. Only that we are not doing what they're doing. So we go to them in mercy. We go to them in love. And when we can bring them to agreement, remember, if any two of you shall agree on earth is touching anything that my in heaven, my father will grant that. And where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm in the midst of them. Amen. Reconciliation. Jesus binds that together like a threefold cord. He's in the midst of us. Praise God. So love wins. Love never fails. Love always wins. Compassion always wins in the end. So let's have compassion for one another. Amen. I see my time is gone. God bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. 
This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.